Uh, we should probably warm up and get into the podcast. I thought this was the podcast. Can we not talk about video games the whole time? Welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where I forgot to do a joke. Damn it! I don't have one planned. Where we talk about things. <laughs> my name's Henry. And if you can't handle me at my Henry, you don't deserve me at my John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you. Not talking about the purge at all this week. Because we did that way too much last week. One might say that there was one moment, one allowance out of the entire year where we were allowed to talk about the purge openly, but that time has passed, we are rebuilding, and the homeless have died. Yep, because they got bored of yeah. people talking about the purge so much. They're like, yeah, we get it. I feel Move like on. I feel like the homeless would really hate talking about the purge. Me yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this annual town hall meeting where we're going to discuss homeless needs and the purge. Oh, great. You know, it's homeless night, but it's also purge concern night. We're doing it again. (laughs) Yeah, we need to stop. Oh, John, it's a crazy time and I don't know how to segue anymore. It is a crazy time. We're living in one of the craziest times and I feel like we are both brimming with content. Yeah, I mean, the days are getting longer the sun's out longer. Mark Zuckerberg got dispositioned de- de- by the U.S. Senate today. I really thought you were going to say he got deported. <laughs> no. Uh, and he, there's a lot of memes going around about, about Zuckerberg and how he had one of those just kill me moments that captured live on camera where he's just staring straight ahead. It's a good time to be alive. It's a good time. I didn't even, I knew nothing about that. I mean, I knew it happened, but I didn't watch any of it or oh, I don't read know. anything about it. I don't know the outcome. I just assumed they shot him. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure the outcome, like all things, is, or at least what I assume is he was pretty embarrassed and made to answer for his crimes. <laughs> I think he was just made to answer a bunch of questions. I don't think there was actually like a verdict. Look, I don't know how this works. I'm just I'm excited he went because he he dodged the UK. They banged their gavel and they said time served. <laughs> what time? Uh for his crimes. Oh. Do the crime, do the time, man. But you said time served, which means he already served his time. Yeah, time served meaning you you deserve to be put away, but you've 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 done it. I just learned that time served is a good thing to hear a judge say. Yes, because it, it refers to the time you've already spent in prison. Yeah. it's gr- Man, I wish a judge says that to me one day and not go to prison. Well, see, usually it's it's like 20 years plus time served. So you take the time served out of the 20 years. But apparently, if a judge just says time served, that means you're free to go. Okay. Because it means whatever time that you spent in the court proceedings or in lockup... Is enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a fun process because you you don't go to, like, holding jail. You go to prison. You go to real jail. Yeah, you don't go to placeholder jail. <laughs> there is no placeholder jail. Yeah, there, there's not, like, a prison or, like, a jail for people who are in court procedures. No. You go to lockup with all of the other criminals and who, who are sentenced there. And uh, if anything, if it's anything like the night of, 
you make friends with that one guy from The Wire, and then you shave your head. I've been ingesting way too much prison. Prison media? Yeah. I, I've been watching... I rewatched part of The Night Of... Uh, I watched a Vince Vaughn movie called Brawl in Cell Block 99, which is fascinating, but does not warrant talking about. Wait, Vince Vaughn, the little Joker guy who always speaks under his breath? Yeah, Vince Vaughn, the little Joker guy who you did not know is six foot six inches tall. Yeah, he's small. He's massive. Yeah, he's, he's a ma- he plays a massive, bald-headed weirdo in this movie. It's not great. Okay. It's highly rated on Amazon. People say it's like a Grindhouse movie. I don't know if that's true. It's weirdly made. Grindhouse movies have women with shotguns for legs. I don't think that's true either. But uh, Death Proof was obviously the more Grindhouse of the two. No, Planet Terror. I've never seen either. Okay, yeah. Death Proof very much more Grindhouse. But Just I also be- played some of A Way Out. Oh, that's, that's the one where you gotta break out of prison with a friend. Yeah, it's Brothers of Prison. Prison yeah. Brothers. I've heard that game is immensely in... Inutterably sad. I have not gotten to that part. Oh, but uh, get ready. Yeah, I, yeah, it's okay. You got to find a way out, John. Oh, let's rein it back. We yeah. were talking about how it's spring now, uh-huh. basically summer, even though the weather's doing weird cold snaps. Yeah, the opposite of of prison of seasons. And you know what happens in spring, John? The flowers. The flowers. The blue bonnets. The blue bonnets. And the new movie releases. New movies? Oh, crap. I forgot. It's May. Well, soon. it's May soon. And may the force be with you this May. Oh. Because everyone's gearing up to tolerate the latest Star Wars movie, which no one actually seems to be excited about. Yay. I don't know if you know this, John, but a new solo trailer dropped this weekend on a Sunday. Oh, boy. Because Sunday's the day where you drop movie trailers that people are going to be excited about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you get out of church, and then you're like, man, I hope they have that new Avatar 2 trailer. (laughs) That's that's a discussion for another another time. But, you know, Solo's a a very particular movie in this case, because the, the amount of knowledge we have about the movie that's coming out next month, in May, is very little... I know two things, three things about the movie. I know that Alden Ehrenreich is in it, playing yeah. Han Solo. That's correct. I know that Donald Glover is in it, playing Lando Calrissian. All right. And I know that from what I've seen, it has pretty uninspired color grading <laughs> and is not very interesting to look at. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen the poster, which for a long time was just the word Solo and uh, a date. Yeah. And then we saw the Super Bowl tease, which was like 20 seconds of fastly cut footage that kind of strung along a narrative, but made everyone kind of go, okay. Yeah. And then this trailer, the only sort of fan reception I've got can be summed up in this The Onion article headline. Okay. Fans excited as solo trailer sheds light on and specifically how it will suck. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I, uh... What's what's happening with that movie? Here's what's happening with that movie. Uh, A little background knowledge for you. 
They originally had a different director on it. Uh-huh. I don't remember who the director was. Uh-huh. But then a Disney executive visited the set during filming one day, and she saw that there was too much joking on set. Oh, no. That people weren't taking it seriously. Too much ad-libbing, if you will. Uh-huh. And when you have, I don't know, a comedic actor like Donald Glover and... Aaron Aldright? Alden Ehrenreich. Whoever. Maybe he, you need to rein in. But Donald Glover, it's kind of like, hey, here's the keys to the kingdom, go ahead. But she was like, uh-uh, no, you two directors, you're out. Hey, who who's safe? Who's approachable? Who doesn't have a project right now because he hasn't seen a picture in a while? Uh-huh. Ron Howard. Oh, wow. You know, the guy who made such hit classics as Rush... Rush? Yeah, Rush. It was, uh... What's Rush? Uh, Chris Hemsworth plays a race car driver. You don't remember that one? No. That's his latest movie. Oh, really? Um, there's also, what, something about surviving the sea? Nobody remembers it. I think Chris Hemsworth played a boat captain. Okay. In the heart of the sea. Oh, really? It's about a whale. Is that a movie? Yeah, um, so Ron Howard, last two movies, who cares? Yeah. And so they, they tapped him to come up and save, in quotes, the Han Solo movie that, and I want to emphasize this, nobody asked for. That's uh, that's thoroughly disappointing considering that they, uh, they kicked the two directors up for ad-libbing considering that's what made the original Star Wars so classic was the amount of improvisational dialogue that was put into it. Impro- oh yeah, like the... I love you, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot of, like, rewriting and ad-libbing on the set of the first Star Wars. Yeah, it made a bunch of classic moments that are now immortalized, but no. Too much ad-libbing on the Han Solo film, so let's kick out the directors, bring in Ron Howard, and reshoot basically the entire movie. It seems like a Han Solo movie would be the one opportunity for the Star Wars franchise to have fun with itself. Yeah, I mean, Han Solo's supposed to be a, a snarky, wisecracking, smuggling person. And he's got this a bunch of, like, lore behind him. Like, how he won the Millennium Falcon and a gamble. The whole Parsec thing with the Trestle Run. Kessel Run, tw- 20 Parsecs? 12. 12, And okay. then, like, a life debt with a Wookiee. Yeah, that's good. All of these things that we know because they were explicitly said... During the movies. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't really need to explore in any way, shape, or form. But I think that's exactly what we're going to see beat by beat. I uh, I think that there's a tendency amongst larger studios that when they get a property... And I think that uh, Disney has been pretty bad about this so far. Uh, they tend to say, okay, where are the veins? Where's the ore that we can mine? <laughs> Not w- what structures can we create? What mountains can we blow up? Exactly. Let, let's let's find the pulse of this franchise. And that's where you harvest the transplant and a bunch of different movies. Yeah. You, you find the life. You find the mysteries. And you know what they say about a great mystery? That nature does not suffer it to exist. All mysteries must be expunged and turned into standalone features. <laughs> That's the Disney motto. Yeah, nothing can be uncertain. 
Everything must be explored. Nothing is forbidden. Nothing new under the sun, we guarantee it. (laughs) Yes. Nothing new under the sun if we have anything to say about it. Yeah, the sun will never set (laughs) on the Disney Empire. (laughs) Yes, and there will also be nothing new under that never setting sun. Uh, uh, I find the the Han Solo movie irritating, because how do you make this such a non-event? I know, like, this is this is another Star Wars movie, whereas the last Star Wars movie was a huge event. Yeah. Came out at Christmas. Mm-hmm. This one's coming out in May, in the middle of the year, for no reason. I, uh, I'm very sad that you had in The Last Jedi, the best thing to happen to Star Wars since the original series, the original series, the original trilogy, uh, it's not Star Trek, and then you undercut that by this thoroughly uninteresting looking take on one of its characters that seems to just kind of eat from its own toilet yeah and it's not like a cool exploration of like something that was known like in rogue one where it's like okay yeah how did they get those death star plans and now we know (laughs) yeah i i wouldn't i would say that solo and rogue one Pretty similar levels of excitement on my part for you what they can... I was not like, a huge fan of Rogue One. It had Alan Tudyk as a robot. I watched it, and then I felt really strongly about it. We record a podcast about it for like three hours. Uh, but I recently tried to rewatch it, and I fell asleep. It has Alan Tudyk as a robot. No, the Alan Tudyk robot is great. And the Force-sensitive monks are great. Uh, I'm the Force, the Forces I am. <laughs> All right, Popeye, <laughs> force-sensitive monk over here. I, you look. I, at a certain point, I'm going to talk about saturation of movies, and it's going to come off as really false because I was going to say at a certain point, there's too many movies about too many, like certain things, and you can point to superhero movies, but they're still going strong. Yeah, Black Panther just broke. Titanic's record for most grossing movie of all time. Sank the Titanic. That's the headline that every reporter no, patted no, themselves on I the really back. I really think I might be the first one to say that. Alright, sure. So it really sank that Titanic. Torpedoed I, it, you might say. Didn't realize Black Panther was an iceberg. Sank that Titanic like the Lusitania. Yeah, so I guess in the immortal words of somebody, suck on that, James Cameron. And <laughs> the... You know, I think a lot of people have probably said that. <laughs> All right, but yeah, yeah, I feel like hey, at some point there's going to be too many Star. You can you're too many of a good thing. Too many Star Wars movies. Let's not make. Let's not dedicate a Star Wars movie to every character. If they ever make a Boba Fett movie, the franchise is dead. They made a Boba Fett movie. It was called Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. That's all you needed. Yeah, really, you don't need anything else because Boba Fett's not that interesting or cool of a character. I mean, unless you make Patton Oswalt's filibuster and Parks and Rec tr- come true. I don't remember that. Uh, okay, well, it was a deleted scene. Oh, I'm sorry. But it was released on YouTube, so you could go look up Patton Oswalt, Star Wars Rant, Parks and Rec, filibuster.com on YouTube. Uh-huh. And I'm sure one of those words will hit it. <laughs> I'll probably try. I'll probably try to do that. But it starts out with Boba Fett clawing his way out of the sarlacc pit oh yeah okay like a post like a post death but not post his death oh my god what if he crawls his way out of the sarlacc pit has this huge grand adventure and he was dead the whole time 
<laughs> the last five minutes, he crawls back into the Sarlacc pit because he's like, "This is where I was supposed to die." It's Donnie Darko, but uh, exactly, it's Boba Barco, <laughs> Boba Barco, and the Sarlacc pit coming to your theaters as an animated musical adventure. Yeah, it's like the Animatrix. I mean, look, we already had a taste of too much as a good thing in the in the awful Christmas special that. No one deserves to see. I uh, I feel like as a child, uh, as big of a Star Wars fan as I am and have been, I feel like you could not have said the sentence too many Star Wars movies to me. And now I pretty thoroughly agree that we are rapidly approaching too many Star Wars movies. I mean, pretty soon we're going to have a sequel to the Ewok Adventures, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Oh man, what if they made like a TV series? Oh no, you know eventually they're going to come up with like a Star Wars TV series and it's going to be bad. I think one's planned. Great. They're so bad. I think one's planned. I really want to watch Krypton. Oh yeah, on sci-fi? I heard it's real bad. I have heard nothing about it because I don't care about television. (laughs) I will sometimes see promoted tweets about it where it's like, What will Ray L. do when Carl Bohr refuses to give him the crystals? It's like, man, that sounds like a really good reality show. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Real Housewives of Krypton. Oh, that'd be real good. Why have they not made that? (laughs) They should. They absolutely should. Yeah, you know what's great about the show Krypton? We know Superman comes from Krypton, and we know all of his powers. They have none of that, because they don't have a yellow sun. Yeah, they're just normal. They're normal, stupid people. I, uh, also, I think that the existence of Krypton, and then the existence of Gotham, so interesting to me as someone who grew up a nerd, and really liked the certain pop culture trappings of superheroes, Star Wars, Star Trek, things like that, where you could not have told me as a 14-year-old that there would be a TV show about both Superman and Star Wars. and Not, not Star <laughs> Batman. Wars. Batman. Batman, you know. Superman and Batman. And I would not give a shit. You, <laughs> you could not tell me that that would not interest me. I would not have believed you. What if I told you... That there are two shows, one dedicated to Batman, one dedicated to Superman, but neither Batman or Superman are in them. Yeah, I don't understand Gotham. I I have friends who swear that Gotham is a good show. It is ridiculous to me as a concept. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, do the Gotham City police suddenly become incompetent? I just wonder what point we as a society can recognize that something can be good in the in its minutia, in its performances and its production. It can be good, but it can be creatively bankrupt to a point that you shouldn't support it. Kind of like what if we took classic comic characters from the Archie comics and put them in a modern day murder mystery filled with Odd sexual tension for underage characters. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like we should be able to say no to something like that. And yet you watch it as trashy and horrible as it is because for for some reason it hooks you. Yeah, I, uh, I listened to Riverdale. I listened to all of it. I never watched it. It was just on in my house. Man, 
I recently read the plot of that first season. What I imagined in my head, way more fucked up than what actually happened. No, they don't go off the deep end yet. That's for season <laughs> two, my friend. I, when Jughead joins a gang. What? What? Jughead joins a gang? Huh? The hamburger lovers? <laughs> Not the hamburger. The hamburger helpers? No. The the east side snakes or something or other. God, I hate... I hate TV. TV's the worst. Huh. Did you have anything else to say about the Solo movie? Because <laughs> I think, I, I'm in a good segue spot. Yeah, I think we can, we can move on. I'll, I'll just say, I don't like the Solo series... TV movie, the solo movie, because I wanted to do a running bit, like, it's been blank days without any information, and the first day that it would be time to do the bit, they dropped all this information on the movie, so I didn't get to do the bit. Man, they they just fucked us over in every possible way. I know, they can't even let us make fun of them. Uh, you know, they have no sense of humor. Uh, speaking of television being in a sad, sad state, I have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll hopefully bring us higher and higher. It'll elevate our moods. Are we talking about drugs? Yes. No. Uh, so I have two things about television I want to talk about. One we can get to and the other we probably can't. And we basically get to choose. Let's get to the one we can't get to. <laughs> okay, the one we really can't get to because I don't see how it fits in the overall scheme of this podcast is WrestleMania. I watched all of it. Okay. We can't really talk about it. No, I, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> it wouldn't be productive. I feel like it's important. It's the best WrestleMania I've seen in years, and I try to make a point to watch WrestleMania. Now, I will say I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I watch SummerSlam and WrestleMania every year because I think they're culturally important, and I love John Cena. Ba, ba, ba. Can't see me, dog. All right, so so you, you made a claim just now that it was the best WrestleMania in years, and I need you to sum up why in, like, a sentence. A sentence? Yeah. Okay, can it be a run-on? Yes. Okay. Women... I don't know why I'm counting words. Women's wrestling has been denigrated to sexual objectification for years, comma, but they were well represented this year, and the Charlotte versus Asuka match is one of the best wrestling matches you can watch was the best match of WrestleMania and was a women's title match. That's us. I, I've heard they were they were working on revitalizing the women's division just because it became this weird like oh we need supermodels and tiny outfits to play fight. But then like they've been recruiting more and more actual like women athlete fighters. Like isn't Ronda Rousey now involved? Ronda somehow? Rousey. Okay, all of the best moments of this WrestleMania pretty much were at the hands of women. <laughs> Ronda Rousey was there in one of the first big, like, intergender uh, tag team matches, which was a big deal. That's a huge deal. Ronda Rousey did great. She's so much better than people gave her credit for. Uh, that blew people away. Also, Asuka was great. Uh, the fact that some of the best moments of WrestleMania were at the hands of New Japan pro wrestlers. That's pretty awesome. Asuka and then Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, great. Fantastic. I love that we're... We're, like, buying in deep on weird Japanese wrestlers. I mean, in a world where, you know, the world of wrestling is not as simple as it once was, we can't just put, like, the Iron Sheik up there anymore and have them be the bad guy 
you could put a Russian up now. I, I feel like we're back in that political climate. Yeah, there's Rusev, but it's not like a political thing. Uh, yeah, but wrestling used to be 100% political and like this is the 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 thoughts and feelings of the middle America put out in this weird knockout drag out fight thing. But now everything's more nuanced. So you got to let's keep things interesting, keep things fresh. Hey, let's dip into the women. Let's pull some women up and like make women wrestling great again. Hey, there are wrestling leagues all over the world. Let's go visit some. Japan has some? Cool. Boom. Come out and try it. Why not? The WWE has been for decades a staid and toxic company that basically for the sake of viewership will will peddle any narrative. And I think that the most interesting things to happen in wrestling in the last 30 years have bucked that trend. And it took them all of those 30 years to understand that's what people actually want. And now they're giving it to us. There and you go. it's great. There you go. See, Vince or Vance? Vince. Vince McMahon? Yep. McMahon, yep. as I call him. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he's finally probably taking a back seat for the XFL. I don't know if you know that. He's reviving the XFL. Great. It's going to be like a stream thing. He's going to like stream it. Perfect. And so maybe like he stepped away from WWE to be like, you know, oh, I'm going to do XFL for a little while. And like whoever's in charge now is like, finally, I can bring out all of the good things that I've been. I don't know why he's evil. Yeah. <laughs> that I've been hiding. And like, so he, he, he did the things you're talking about. He puts all the women in. He, he makes a women's title match happen against the daughter of Ric Flair, who is one of the best technical wrestlers in history, and an ex-games journalist who has put hundreds of hours into Monster Hunter. What? That's Asuka. She used to be a games journalist. <laughs> Why is she a wrestler now? Nah, she wanted to. Alright, but she at least, like, I mean, she took it seriously and she's like, you know... Oh, she's extremely talented. Like, built... Her, her like, whole thing... Let me show you... How many muscles are we talking? Let me show you Asuka's whole thing. What? <laughs> her, I, you gotta be more specific than I just, that. I just want to show you what her aesthetic is. Wait, does she dress like a monster hunter? Uh... Does her, she bring her out Her aesthetic a... is unique. Oh, that's... What is happening? She's, She's like... Very excited. Japanese Harlequin meets April Ludgate from Hearts and Rec. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not an inaccurate physical descriptor. Her basic thing is she does what she wants. Okay. <laughs> that's basically it. Is she a heel? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of. <laughs> she will do things like mock people and pretend to fall asleep. Uh, she's a jerk. She calls herself the Empress. You say kind of, but then <laughs> everything you're describing is heel stuff. Yeah, no, she's she's a heel. But also, all of this is fake, and she's great. Well, yeah, of course it's fake. It's acting. I mean, it's kayfabe. It's, it's not what? Kayfabe? What? Kayfabe? You don't know what kayfabe is? Is that ha Kevin Federline? I know who Kayfed is. Yeah. Kevin Fed. He, he dated Britney Spears. You got it. <laughs> Okay, so kayfabe is uh, the kayfabricated. Yeah, kayfabricated. Kayfabe is the uh, the middle ground between reality and wrestling that exists. What? And to break kayfabe, so everyone knows wrestling is fake. Everyone knows winners are uh, predetermined. Predetermined. Kayfabe is walking the line where you do not act like it is predetermined. You act like it is uh, a great show of skill and force you don't 
not you don't always totally believe it, but to break kayfabe is to break the reality that the wrestling entertainment creates. Who turned this? I don't know. Some guy. Isn't it just the fourth wall? Kayfabe. Oh, it's that's it's the fourth wall in Latin is kayfabe. I don't think that's true. Uh, but yeah, that's kayfabe. All right. Well, I guess I learned something today. I didn't realize there was this whole sanctimonious term of buying into professional wrestling entertainment. Keep in mind, I'm not the biggest wrestling fan, and my definition of kayfabe might not be great. Oh. <laughs> you mess with the wrestlers, we're going to get so many angry letters. You will, but they're nice. But anyway, we don't need to talk about WrestleMania. Alright, so what's the other thing that we, we can talk about? Here's what we do need to talk about. Now, we were talking about WrestleMania, sure, but you know what we weren't talking about? We weren't talking about a, the biggest knockdown, dragout fight in television history. We are not talking, we were not talking about uh, Titans battling in the grandest stage of them all. We were not talking about thousands of people caring very much about an ideological conflict solved with blows. You may have thought we were talking about that with WrestleMania, but no, there is another greater fight. What? There's a greater fight. Well, yeah, I, I, that much I surmised. <laughs> uh, but it... What? It is, it is a battle waged over the Simpsons. The show that's been the longest running animated show on television that it, nobody watches Exactly. Anymore? What's The happening? grandest stage of them all. Yeah, the most stalest platform. <laughs> I said most stalest. What's happening on The Simpsons? Hold on, let me look something up. Okay. Da 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 Okay, so here's the thing. In The Simpsons, you have this character, Apu. Oh, the uh, the the guy who runs the not Seven Eleven, but the the convenience store. Yeah, the the Indian uh, South Asian guy who runs the convenience store, the Quickie Mart. Uh, That's what it's called. It's called the Quickie Mart. There's a journalist and comedian called Hari Kondabolu. Okay. Who made a documentary called "The Problem with Apu." All right. And it was a, a short documentary about the problem of representation in Western culture, particularly of South Asian people. All right. And it was... Its general thesis was, it's kind of messed up that the character of Apu continued to exist for as long as he did being essentially a joke at someone of South Asian descent's heritage by a white guy. And I think we can kind of all agree that having that never be addressed is kind of messed up. Yeah, I mean, sure, I guess you could argue that 27 years ago when The Simpsons aired, it was a more, quote, appropriate climate for that, unquote. And, and the thing that is concerning to me about what has happened recently with this, because the problem with Apu is older it was it blew up for a while and the uh level of fervor about it seemingly died down a little bit people were very incensed about it and uh my feelings about it is it's it's kind of messed up that it was never addressed i don't think apu is a character on the simpsons anymore i think maybe they killed him i don't know i don't think they killed him i thought maybe they just wrote him off the show no one watches the simpsons no one the thing. well yeah it, see 
no one expected it to keep going this long. And so things that were, I guess, more acceptable 27 years ago. I keep throwing out that number. I don't know if that's correct. It's close. Are, you know, they persisted. They kept going. Yeah, until the, it's like, the joke hey, kept going. Hey, wait a second. This is no longer funny because, well, it was never really funny. You were just saving a voice actor, basically. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, the fact that Hank Azaria kept that character up is questionable. And the the point of the problem with Apu is it interviews a lot of people of South Asian descent who dislike the character of Apu, not necessarily for creative reasons, but because since his character was something that was created out of maybe a little bit of racial contempt, little tiny amount, like not the kind of racial contempt that makes people like kill people, but like the the like tiny residual amount of racial contempt that someone might feel for humor's sake. Like some humor has a little bit of racial contempt in it. And maybe that's where the character of Apu came from because he was born from a table read with Hank Azaria because he was just reading for a convenience store clerk and he chose an Indian accent. Oh. And people laughed because a lot of convenience store clerks are Indian, so they kept it. So it wasn't even written that way. Yeah, he was just written as clerk. He was not a character. And then, and then just because of Hank's voice, which he chose to do the accent, from presumably a stance of observation... Yeah, he was, he was trying to make observational humor uh, of a lot of people who run convenience stores are South Asian. And uh, it, it persisted over time, but the problem with Apu, it tackles the idea that a lot of people who are Indian Pakistani, they hate the character of Apu because a certain subset of white America lets their perception of South Asians begin and end at Apu. They make Apu jokes. They make thank you, come again jokes. I, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like, hey, we stopped doing minstrel humor yeah. and shows why did we never take Apu down? Yeah, and it 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 persisted for so long, it, it reached a level of, like, cultural acceptance that a lot of people make Apu jokes. And it has allowed people to carry a certain level of humorous racial contempt with them. And that's what it was about. Anyway, people cared. People sent him death threats. Uh, the Simpsons responded... Recently? Recently. How recently? The most recent episode of The Simpsons. Oh, like, this is happening. On Sunday. The day the Solo trailer came out. <laughs> so this is happening. This is in the zeitgeist. All right, so this is now. This, this is, is this 2018, is now. year of our Lord. So The Simpsons, I have not seen the episode, but I did read the script. Okay. Uh, the, Odd choice. The, uh, I don't have time. You also had, no, you had time no, to read a script. I can read a sentence faster than someone can speak it. All right. So the challenge you later. The the Simpsons decided to address this in a way that some people are calling hashtag problematic. So wait, did they make a joke of the whole thing? No, it's kind of worse. They they took it seriously and missed the point. Yeah, they did both. All right, so they made a joke of it while taking it seriously and missed the point on both regards. <laughs> yes. So the the episode, I don't know if this is the crux of the episode. It seems to be maybe an A plot. But part of the episode is Marge is trying to introduce Lisa to a book that she really liked as a child. And Marge is of a different generation. 
And the book that she's trying to introduce Lisa to has, like, ethnic stereotypes in it. Oh, no. And Lisa, who is usually, like, a voice of progressivism, is, like, a vegetarian, a Buddhist, and has been... Thanks, Paul McCartney. And has been, like, a, a voice of, like progressive feminism in a cartoon for idiots for a long time (laughs) and lisa has held interesting beliefs and the eventual decline of that storyline is that marge is trying to get lisa to like this book and then they say oh there are all these ethnic stereotypes what can we do so marge revises the story uh and tries to present it and I think the actual line is that instead of being whatever ethnic stereotype it was, the main character is like a cisgendered woman named Clara who like likes net neutrality. They threw a bunch of buzzwords in there, which not a, not great, eye roll worthy. It's it's both contemptible and toothless to be like we have disdain for uh, progressive language, so we're going to throw a bunch of it out there and make it meaningless. That's hateful. I think that's hateful of a certain kind of language. I mean, yeah, that's coming from the, oh, somebody wants to feel like a special snowflake. Yeah, it, it comes from a superiority zone yeah. that already uh, had my hackles up. What's a hackle? It's a hair on the back of your neck. All right. And uh, the the problem with that story is if they had kept it at that, sure, that's obviously them responding to a call for changing the way that The Simpsons handles representation. Sure, that would have been a bad, if subtle joke. Yeah, I mean, it, it was mishandled, but that's not the end of the world right there. I mean, that could just be... Hey, look, Marge is out of touch with what is okay, so she's the one who revised the book. So that's her attempt, and maybe she missed the mark a little, but at least she's trying. However, you're gonna the way that you're setting this up sounds like it gets worse. So the way the scene ends uh, is that Marge, they they say that when they take all of the conflict, all of the characterization out of this book, it becomes impossible to get a meaningful story because there's no conflict. Which, whatever, that's a, that's a failed thesis. But anyway, they, they say that, and then Marge says, but what are we supposed to do? Lisa then looks at a picture of Apu that is in her room, which makes me think maybe Apu is dead? Because why would there just be a picture of Apu? Wait, but why would, but even if he was dead, why is there a picture of Apu in a little girl's room? So she looks at the picture of Apu and to Marge's question of what are we to do? Lisa, who has been a voice of like progressive liberalism in this show for a while, and I hate that they gave this to her, says, it's hard to say. Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? To which Marge says, some things will be dealt with at a later date. Both of the characters now looking into the camera. Lisa says, if at all. So they're just never going to address it. So that is uh, horrible as a way to address it in a lot of ways. Because the first part of that is Marge saying something that was inoffensive and applauded decades ago. Not only means that they are disregarding how people feel disenfranchised by their representation problem now. They're patting themselves on the back for, I guess, having representation or at least positive reception of this character when the world was a completely different place. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what we were talking about, how something that was acceptable 
I mean, we didn't say they were applauded. Surely yeah. The Simpsons won awards at one time when it was new, mm-hmm. but now it's sort of the stale sort of... I didn't even realize they were doing new episodes now. <laughs> yeah. But, um... So, I mean, it persisted, and they... You what you what can you do? I can answer that question. You address it. Yeah, you you address you it. You recast if you need. You address it in a way that doesn't talk down to the audience that feels disenfranchised by what you've done. What what if what if here's a scenario. The Apu character, maybe he's dead, but if he's still alive, maybe he gets hit on the head and the 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 stereotypical accent dissipates and you introduce a new voice actor who is from South a- Southeast Asia mm-hmm. or India, wherever you want to pull him from. <laughs> you can just say South Asia. South Asia. That's, I, I was trying to remember what the phrase you said. Um, South Asia. Pull him from South Asia and then like just have him be a normal character. Yeah. You could do that and like, okay, this people can read into it. Oh, this is in response to the problem with Apu. And it would be okay. Yeah, and you fixed it. Yeah, well, you addressed it. You you addressed it. You didn't fix maybe the problems it had, but you you made steps to fix it. But what they did is they handed a line to a great character who is who has stood for a lot of really kind of revolutionary things to be talking about on a cartoon, and you made that character say, "What we did was not and is not wrong," to which Marge says, "I guess we'll just deal with it later." And then Lisa says, with both of them looking in the camera, or maybe not, it is a toothless, cowardly, and superior way to handle that issue, and it's disgusting. And let me tell you why it's disgusting. Because there's more. Oh, there's more? Okay, so... What? How is there more? You said that's how it ended. Uh, that's how the, ep- that's how the scene ends. Alright. Real life, unfortunately, continues. Oh. So... <laughs> After the credits... <laughs> After the credits, it continues. Now, I will say, the the thing that disgusts me about this a lot is I like The Simpsons, liked The Simpsons a lot. I've not seen an episode in maybe eight years. I mean, it's a cultural cornerstone. We're su- not supposed to, but you can't help but respect something that's lasted a quarter of a century. So if you read the storyboards for The Simpsons, I think these ones were from season three. They're on the DVD as special features. Okay. You can look at the storyboards where Matt Groening added notes. Matt Groening is a really smart, really even-handed, kind of future-forward guy. And if you read his notes, there's, like, someone who submitted a joke where, like, Patty and Selma have, like, uh, they have, like, a boyfriend who has, like, elephantitis, and they make, like, an elephant man joke. And you see Matt Groening writes in red ink, uh, don't make handicap jokes unless you can justify them. And, like, there's a scene in a karaoke bar where Matt Groening just writes over it, and he's like, this joke is racist, lose it. And there's, uh, there's another one where he's like, remember, the Springfield that we're creating is fully integrated, everyone lives together. And Matt Groening... Great guy. Like, all all these notes, especially back in the 80s and 90s when he was making these notes, what a, what a great thing to do. I mean, he even made the main characters yellow so, like, they wouldn't be any one race. And the problem that has come up on the Twitter... Oh, no. Matt Groening is bad now? Hold on. He, he went in a reverse cycle? Started out progressive, got more conservative. Well, I don't know if conservative is even the right word. Got more racist. Started out progressive, now we hear. Wait. 
Oh, crap. You see, this is why I always Clap. have stuff pulled up beforehand. I really should have. Yeah. You can even take screenshots of things if you need, and then you don't even have to like go looking for them. Okay. I'll stall. John's looking at his phone for something on Twitter.com. That's all I had. Okay, so here's uh, here's a problem. All right. So the showrunner of The Simpsons right now is this guy named Al Jean. He's not Matt Groening. He's not Matt Groening. If you go to Al Jean's Twitter account, uh, so he has a couple tweets that he retweeted following their address of the issue. Uh, the first one says, Lisa looking at the camera to give a direct message to capital PC, politically correct people, as the camera pans out to Apu, is one of the best moments of my year so far. Retweeted by the showrunner of the show. Not just braggy, but shitty. You shouldn't pat yourself on the back with the words of others. Uh, he also retweeted, Loved how you guys handled this non-issue. People just want to cry about everything nowadays because it makes them feel like they're doing something. Don't ever change. Alright, so the show... Don't ever change? What is this, a fucking yearbook? <laughs> so the showrunner of The Simpsons seems like... I feel like Matt... Gro I always want to say growing. Grain... Wait, Matt. Grain? Yeah, Matt Groening. Matt Groening. I feel like he would have been more receptive to the this this documentary that came out. And, and certainly it's not just Apu who's the issue. It's representation across the board. I think Master of None mm -hmm. and the Indians on TV episode portrayed it very well. Where it's just kind of like, hey, yeah, stereotypes were predominant in the past. But hopefully we're working our way forward to do better representation in the future. Um, or now in the future. But this seems like this guy is kind of like, oh, uh, special snowflakes. But it's, yeah. it's, you can't invalidate or reduce people's feelings. You can't say, oh, this was a non-issue. Especially if, like, you're not one of the people who were hurt. Yeah, I you you can't tell someone you didn't hurt them. Yeah. Period. And, 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 and this is... This is institutionalized hurting. This is not, oh, you hurt my feelings. This is, you hurt my feelings on multiple levels because you're going to, this joke or like this caricature, this stereotype is going to propagate throughout my entire life now because it's so ingrained in this cultural aspect. Yeah, you hurt my identity. You can't say, no, I didn't. And it's, I just hate that The Simpsons used to be this fantastic vector for a lot of thought that wasn't being covered elsewhere on television and now it's the same thing that you see everywhere else on television that's like hateful protective and superior it's just like that stupid roseanne joke oh what's the roseanne joke you know they did that roseanne reboot yeah where apparently john goodman wasn't dead the whole time didn't he die at the end of roseanne he did when he, he didn't do the last season of roseanne he, they killed him off of a heart attack and then they brought him back for the reboot and how she said, oh, I had a dream you were dead. Oh, great. And he was like, oh, I wish I'm John Goodman. <laughs> oh, I wish I was dead. Academy Award winning actor. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the Roseanne made a joke where uh, they, I think the joke was they slept all the way from Wheel to Kimmel. And from Wheel of Fortune to Jimmy Kimmel, the shows Fresh Off the Boat and Blackish, not Blackish. Maybe Blackish. Either Blackish or uh, there was another one I can't remember the name of. But uh, they. W one of the characters says, Oh, we missed all the 
We missed all the shows about the black and Asian families, to which Roseanne says, They're just like us. There, now you get it. It's like, boy, that's a tone-deaf joke. It's like, oh boy, you're saying that these only exist as a matter of representation and they're just like us. It's dumb, 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 dumb. It's a bad time in TV land. Well, TV's just a weird, stupid place right now. I don't don't know. I mean, it was never good. Yeah. You think back to it, maybe you watch TV with your family or something, but the shows they picked, if it wasn't like West Wing, which was really good... Then it was like NCIS or yeah. some stupid procedural where it's it's, just, it's not good. It's If it's not Breaking Bad, it's not worth watching. I mean, even if you look at peak TV, peak TV itself is still emotionally exploitative and tone deaf in a lot of ways. Look at Mad Men. I can't. I never watched it. Mad Men had three amazing seasons. And then it kept going. Didn't that show last eight seasons? Something like that. I just, I never got the point of watching Mad Men. It's like, oh, they're Ad Men in the 50s. There's, there's a story. And? There's a, watch the first episode. And? Watch the first episode. I shouldn't have to watch the first episode to know what the and is. Uh, yeah, but it's a secret. I mean, that's like Boardwalk Empire. Okay, sure. (laughs) They're, I don't even know the, bootleggers? Yeah, I watched all of Boardwalk Empire. They're bootleggers in the past, and? Yeah, Boardwalk Empire is one of those shows that I could not get enough of. It's emotionally and creatively pretty garbage. I just liked the violence. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's why I watched Westworld for as long as I did. Oh my god! I'm gonna segue to that later. But, uh, I, I mean, at least in Westworld you've got, hey, robots... Yeah, at least in Westworld you have the same conceit that happened in Battlestar Galactica it's and a, Blade Runner. Yeah, no, it's the same conceit. I mean, anytime there's ro- realistic-looking robots, it's the same thing. Like, am I a robot? Oh, a character I thought wasn't a robot is a ro- is, is a robot. I mean, that's not even a spoiler. That's just a that's just the thing. That's like the main plot of Battlestar Galactica. I will say though, uh, I turned very sour against Westworld in watching the first season. I'm not. I, I think Westworld has huge storytelling problems and is as emotionally manipulative as the worst parts of peak TV. I will say, the one that one thing that the first season did, really good. Oh, the thing where... Uh, you know. The person who you didn't think was a robot was a robot? No, the other thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, with the, uh, the, the point of telling the narrative. Yeah. The time... The, The narrative conceit, I mean, everyone knows it by now, but the narrative conceit blew me away because, like, I thought maybe, and then it ended up being true, and I felt like a genius. And then I saw the people had, like, figured it out in episode three, I'm like, shit! And that's exactly what I want to talk about. I ain't gonna talk about how they released all the spoilers. What? I ain't gonna talk about how they released all the spoilers. Did they actually do it? Oh, I don't know. No, they didn't. Oh, I just wanted to cut you off, but... Cut that out. No. <laughs> Leaving the clap in, too. God damn it. I just want to help you out. You're doing fine. Um, so, not to... I mean, I don't even know... Okay, so... What The Simpsons did... To wrap up the segment, because I want to put end caps on things. Yeah. What The Simpsons did in response to the documentary, what... The problem with Apu was not satisfactory, and they should not be showboating the fact... Or patting themselves on the fucking back... Yeah. We're not giving a satisfactory answer. It was toothless, superior, and tone deaf. I mean, you got, 
you certainly can have the discussion to what end do creators have like an obligation to address the concerns that their viewership or readership have. But when you're talking about an entire like continent of people and, and, and they're not over just over on that continent. I mean, mm. they're in America. They're watching the show. Yeah. They've had their lives affected by it. Maybe, just maybe, treat it with a little more care than what The Simpsons did. Yeah, I don't think that, to some degree, I feel like the responsibility to address how people feel about your creative work only plays in when you owe them because you infringed on their quality of life. Yeah. If you made people's lives worse with your creation, you should probably address it. If someone's like, I, I didn't like him. It's like, I don't care. But if someone's like, you made my life worse, talk about it. Because people deserve that at least. Yeah, and, and I'm, we're not talking on the individual level. If this was a one-person problem, certainly we wouldn't be this sort of feeling strong about it. This is this is a whole culture. Yeah, so don't watch Multiple the Simpsons. Multiple cultures. Here's my end cap. Continue... To not watch The Simpsons. Yeah, keep, maintain homeostasis, do exactly what you've been doing, which is not watching The Simpsons. I feel like Futurama just got picked up on a streaming service, surface, on a streaming service, a streaming service. A stream, a streaming surface. Okay, thanks. So watch that, because that's definitely Matt Groening's better yes. work. Futurama, real good. Yeah. But speaking of whether or not creators have an obligation to their viewership or readership, uh, and speaking of Westworld, which I freaked out about earlier because I didn't realize everything was going to be connected. It is. Yeah. It's all the maze. <laughs> it's all the maze. Um, so in season one of Westworld, some people with their fan theories accidentally nailed the entire plot of the show. <laughs> uh, which is uh, an issue, I suppose, for people who like fan theories but don't want actual spoilers and the thing is it's like to me in my in my regard like a fan theory can be a thing it won't wouldn't be a spoiler until you find out about it mm -hmm. which maybe that spoils the experience but i actually had a lot of fun being like oh that's really clever how they figured it out before the show did yeah if i had read any of that I have, I have thoughts about this continue so here we are on the precipice of season two of Westworld, we're gearing up for it, and the uh, the creators, the co-creators, executive producers, and director. Oh, there was only two people. They just have all those titles. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy uh, got together on Reddit to do an Ask Me Anything, and like the top comment on that on this is Jonathan Nolan saying, uh, "Many thanks for your great questions and thoughts. As I've said before, I've been a member of the Reddit community for years." And I greatly enjoyed watching the friendly folks at this subreddit guess the twists and turns of the season. It creates a larger problem for us, though, in terms of the way your guesswork is reported online. Theories can actually be spoilers, and the line between the two is confusing. It's something we've been thinking about since last season. The fans of Game of Thrones, for instance, rallied around and protected the secrets of the narrative in part because they already knew those secrets through season 5. We thought about this long and hard and came to a difficult decision. If you guys agree, we're going to post a video that lays out the plot and twists and turns of Season 2. Everything. 
the whole sordid thing up front. That way, the members of the community here who want the season spoiled for them can watch ahead and then protect the rest of the community and help to distinguish between what's theory and what's spoiler. It's a new age and a new world in terms of the relationship between the folks making shows and the community watching them. And trust is a big part of that. We've made our cast part of this decision, and they're fully supportive. We're so excited to be in, the, in this with you guys together, so if this post reaches a thousand upvotes, we'll deliver the goods. And it reached 4,700... 4,710 upvotes. Oh shit, they're about to have to spoil five seasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, to make good on all that. I think this is, uh, real, real good stuff. I think this is the stupidest thing you could ever do. I, I... Now hear me out. We've got differing opinions for one of the first times on this podcast. (laughs) Now, hear, hear me out on my actual feelings about it. As to whether or not this will increase viewership or or decrease enjoyment, no idea. Yeah, it's impossible to tell. Because this, this has literally never happened before. Yeah, and that's why I love it. I love it because it's never happened before, and I feel like we have been, as a culture, under so much pressure around spoiler culture. Like, people are so afraid to have anything spoiled for them in any way whatsoever. It's, it's become... This, like, nationwide, humanity-wide diversion of avoiding spoilers. And whatever we can do to combat the narrative we tell ourselves about the sanctity of narrative, I'm 100% on board for. I don't know if it's a good idea economically or creatively, (laughs) but it's something new. It is something new. I can't deny that, but... I just have to come from my point of view, because that's the only point of view I have, and that curiosity is one of the strongest driving factors in me partaking in a text. Mm-hmm. Whether it be reading, playing a video game, uh, watching a TV series or a movie, finding out what happens is my first priority, and that keeps me going throughout everything else. Now, after I find out what's happened, I can appreciate acting and composition, camera work and all that. But the thing that I really enjoy is finding out what happens and having it sort of spoiled all in one video as it's not meant to be seen. I feel like takes away from that experience. I I can agree on a lot of those points because I think that releasing a video out of order that just tells you what the story is... That's not engaging, really. I think that that uh, does a lot to kind of pull the rug out from the narrative. And also, it will effectively make all communities surrounding this show like toxic waste dumps. No one can go there unless they're ready to be spoiled. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, what the Game of Thrones community actually did was they split into two different communities. There were show watchers and book readers. Mm-hmm. And the book readers could overlap with show watchers, but like if you did not want to get spoiled, you didn't go to the book reader place because they're talking about the implications of like what's happening next. So you would go to the show watchers and then you could theorize all you want. 
I think that their thesis is kind of flawed because their belief is that people who had these secrets already guarded them because they wanted to preserve the feeling. But I think that's because people experienced these uh, story elements in a beloved form that they had grown to love, not in a 20-minute YouTube video. Yeah, the, the their point about the Game of Thrones viewers protecting secrets was because, like, they experienced this back in 1998 when Game of Thrones first came out. Or maybe they came to it later, but, like, the people who were guarding the secrets were the people people who had been with the series for decades. And so, yeah, they're going to be a little more guarded in the information because they don't want to ruin that experience for other people. But 20-minute... Anyone can watch a 20-minute YouTube video. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to... I knew that the Red Wedding was coming because I... In 2004, I think I started reading all the Game of Thrones books when I was like 15, 16 years old. So I started reading them then. Uh, I adored them. I read through all of them. And like I had this like huge emotional moment throughout all of the books. And then when the show came out, I only watched the first season for a while. I watched it all recently. But I was very... I was very protective of what I knew about that because I so loved the experience that I had and I so respected those choices that I did not want anyone to have the experience that I had ruined. And really, that's just a certain type of person. Because even with the first season of Westworld, I watched it by myself and then I watched it with my girlfriend and uh, who was on the show last week. <laughs> but... uh when we were watching it together, she would have all these questions, and I didn't answer a single one. Uh-huh. I was just like, keep watching, you know, because I don't want to infringe on the creator's right to not have certain elements spoiled. And in a lot of ways, I feel like for the last few years, I've had the feeling of, uh, spoil things for me. I don't care. Like, I'm sick of being afraid of spoilers. But... I recently rewatched all of Gravity Falls with my girlfriend, also was on the show last week. Oh, brag about it, why don't you? Uh, but we recently rewatched all of Gravity Falls, and we were watching it together, and same thing. Tons of questions about what was going on, and I refused to answer them. And seeing a person go through your emotional arc with something, like theorizing and getting involved and caring. Ooh, I love Gravity Falls, and I've seen that show three times over now. The most recent time I watched it with her, there's a moment, and you know what moment it is, in the penultimate episode. Oh. Where the thing happens with the shack. And oh, yes. It's and so... Uh, it's, 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 it's like... Okay, it, so the Greeks had a term for it. It was catharsis. Yes. A mass exodus of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It is everything that you've pent up, but the... I've seen that show three times and I would never regret it. But there were times watching it where I was like, I've seen this twice. I don't know how I get to... Everything was made worth it by the fact that the person I was sitting next to had been watching this for like four hours. We were watching a lot of it at a time. And had been stone silent. Just went, yes! <laughs> it was so worth it. And the guitar rock theme of yeah. the theme song. Just that, that moment, so good. Because it earns it. It does. And you know... If a show is earning something, who is anyone, who, who gives anyone the right to rob the show of that earned moment by spoiling it for someone else? You know, I agree. Like, I, I'm pretty pro-spoiler, I guess. But the, I, I think about it and, like, 
the moments that I've had that truly surprise me, I'm not sure I'd give anything to put those memories back. Because the stuff that has truly surprised me, I will probably remember it till I'm dead. Yeah. Like, I remember the big twists. Most of them are video games. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You ever play a little RPG called Bait and Kiedos? No. Oh, never mind. <laughs> the twists in that game will haunt me <laughs> to my grave. But, like... You know, you have uh, you have your Knights of the Old Republics. Sure. With one of the best twists. It's kind of obvious, I guess. And also kind of... Is that the... the oh, I don't... Re, Renv, Re, Revan. Revan. Yeah. That twist? Yes. Okay, it's, I know about it. The Revan twist is really good. And then you have, like, uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, where the Colossi are actually really small. Yeah, and they're really Darth Revan. I actually don't know what happens at the end of that game. They just remastered it. Have you not played it? No. Recommend. Okay. But, I, okay. I will agree with you that this is exciting because it is new. And if they actually follow through and do it, it'll be neat to see what spirals out of it. I think for me personally, it means I don't visit those communities while I don't know things. So I might revisit the communities when I'm done with the season. But they just become an off-limit zone because I don't, I don't trust other people. I mean, that's fair because I think that, like I said, they'll just become toxic waste dumps. Like, you can't go there unless you're willing to be spoiled. But, so, I th I thought they were doing something new, but thinking about it, this is something that shows have been doing for a minute. What? When they release all of the episodes at once. Oh, so... So, so why doesn't Westworld just do that? Because HBO still has a weekly release platform because they're still tied to a, a TV... What if they just released all of the episodes at once, but they aired them one week at a time on HBO? It would be the same experience, but to get the spoilers, you would have to have the full dramatic arc. You would have people who were spoiled way in advance of everyone else. They know everything that happened. I didn't even think about that, but dumping an entire season at one time, you're basically cutting out the spoilers because yeah, like you never worried about spoilers with daredevil or luke cage or well, i guess good shows <laughs> i was about to say i don't worry about those because they're not good yeah but um but like series of unfortunate events which we're watching the season two right now it's real good it's real good uh, have you been watching season two yeah i'm on episode seven we are on the last... No, the second to last. Yeah, that's where we are. The uh, Horrible Hospital. Yeah, we're about to start it. We, we have not watched it yet. Yeah, we've watched the first episode of Horrible Hospital. That's one of my favorite streaming shows. Yeah, it's really... Season 2 is a lot better than season 1. I miss I miss a lot of the, the narrator yeah. jokes. I, I feel like they're downplaying him a little bit because things are getting more serious. But... I, I feel like it's getting more serious, but I feel like... Uh, my biggest complaint with the first season was Neil Patrick Harris was not scary enough. And now... He's really picked yeah. up being scary. That, there is a scene in the horrible hospital... Don't tell me about it. No, I'm not going to no. spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't even hint. There's a scene in the horrible hospital that is really well shot, and it's the only thing in that show that's just objectively cool and really scary. All right. It's really well done. It's a good yeah. show. It is a good show. Look but, away. But it, that's a show where... Uh, so Jamie has read all the books. Yeah. A while ago, but she still has, like, the beats down. She still remembers these things. And so I'm theorizing, because she told me, oh, no. What? Well, she she's alluded to the fact that it does, and, and actually the show has also alluded to this fact, that it does not have a happy ending. Yeah, it tells you. It tells you that. And so I've been theorizing, how is that <laughs> possible? How is it possible that this guy wrote 13 books, 
to not have it end happily. And because and, I keep waiting for, you know, the uplifting moment. And and season two has actually had a few. And for what they it's, sneak in there. For what it's worth, the books, uh, I read, I've read the first and the last book and a few in between. Uh, the thing with the books, they keep the same tone. They tell you that it's not going to be okay. But also, uh, the thing about the show, it does things the books didn't do. Yeah, I, you're seeing, uh, every scene that doesn't have the children in it is new. Yeah, it's new and, uh, so pitch perfect for the books, cause still messed up and dark. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I was saying was like, so I'm getting to experience the, uh, the, like the theorizing part. And if she w- were ever to confirm or deny anything, I think it would ruin the whole experience. Exactly. I-, I think that if I had told my girlfriend anything about Gravity Falls, it would have significantly cheapened it. Yeah. Here's the thing though, Henry. What? Here's what's actually going to happen. What's actually going to happen? Oh, they're going to post it on Facebook. No. What? No, I've seen no one say this. The video that they're going to put out is going to purportedly give all of the spoilers, but it's going to be a misdirect. That would be amazing. That's 100% what's going to happen. And if I were the creator, if I were a showrunner, or in a position to make that decision, I would say, yes, you make a fake spoiler video, you put it out there, and then when the... Like the, the so people who weren't going to watch it weren't going to watch it anyway, but then the media starts talking about it and like... Mm-hmm. The show is drastically different from what they put out. Boom. Instant viewers. Because if you watch the first season of Westworld, yes, it had emotional manipulation problems. The writers are very smart. Oh, yeah. The writers are very smart people. I think that they could put out a spoiler video that spoils most of the season. And I think that they could make it believable. I think that they could market and package this thing in such a way that you would fully believe that it is spoilers for the season. I guarantee you there's a misdirect in there. Oh, man. I guarantee it. Well, to me, now now it becomes a gamble. Do I watch, hoping <laughs> that, it's, that it's a misdirect and it's not true? Or do I skip it, watch the series throughout the 11 or 10 weeks that it's going to take, and then go back and watch the I'd video? say that would be the one, is go back yeah. and see if it was a misdirect. Because if so, that's great. If, yeah, if it's a misdirect... That's probably the greatest marketing tactic you can do. Lie to your customers. Because it it excites me because it's something new, but I started thinking about it today when I first read it. I was like, oh, it's a play. They're they're getting... Because maybe like the last thing that happens, happens in the show. Fade out. Fade back in. More crazy shit happens. Everyone's swords now. (laughs) Everyone is swords. Yeah. Everyone, like all of the humans, are swords. Anthony Hopkins, sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He becomes a sword. That's right. Oh, spoilers, John. Spoilers. He's a sword. Yeah. So that would be cool if that was a misdirect. I mean, I actually think that was one of the comments right below. God damn it! I mean, that's a great idea. God damn it, Reddit. No, it's you always scooping me. It's a great idea. They can just. Be trolling us. They can post a video with a fake plot and then watch the whole Reddit burn when the episodes <laughs> start rolling out. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, that'd be so good. No, I, I agree. Like, we're in an age, where, and they're right, where the barrier between creator and viewer is thinning. And it's something that you can resist, a la The Simpsons, or something you can embrace, a la Westworld. And I think, like, if I was in the position, I would just mess with my audience. Yeah, you gotta... 
I you mean, know. if if the if the barrier between dimensions is so thin, please the kayfab. Yes, if the kayfabe is so thin that on this one day you can cross the pedal bridge on Dia de los Muertos. Oh, okay, Coco. Uh, Coco Fabe. Uh, if you can, if you are that close to your audience, that's the really. That's the rub, is if you can get so close to your audience that the interface is, like, one. Yeah. Where your show is no longer just your show. It's your show plus your presence with an audience. Oh, that's the future of TV. Yeah. That's that's not telling a linear narrative. That's telling a linear narrative within the narrative that you exist in the continuum with your audience on. Yeah. Oh. You know what we should call that? (laughs) Smell-o-vision. Yes. Man, I'm excited for season three of Westworld. I can finally smell those damn robots. <laughs> but I, I think just in the, I want television to keep evolving. I, I let let the sitcom is great. The sitcom is good, but the first sitcom that was ever really like revolutionary was The Office that removed the laugh track. Mm-hmm. What was had characters interacting directly with the with the camera, like all of these things shaken up. And then you move to Parks and Rec, where it kept the the, uh, the cutaway confessionals for some reason. Um, but, like, you know, we were changing things. And then mm-hmm. you got a little too derivative of Modern Family. Yes. Um, keep shaking things up. Keep changing things. Let's make House of Leaves into a TV show. <laughs> Let's make House of Leaves into a sitcom. Yeah. Oh, God. No. <laughs> One episode is just an open door looking into a black hallway with a laugh track that doesn't stop. <laughs> That would be right in the vein, but uh, I, I was thinking I want a House of Leaves movie, and then I, I was thinking how to make it, and my answer is still forthcoming. Uh, here's how you make a House of Leaves movie. No Johnny Truant. Uh, no, you gotta have Johnny Truant. Yeah. You have to. You do. He, he's the heart and blood of it. Yeah, but I don't like his parts as much as the Navidson stuff. What? But also, he's the core narrative, so I guess if you cut the core narrative out... Here's what you do. You make a House of Leaves movie. It's just a found footage movie. And so you, you tell everyone in the audience, you give them a Walkman, yeah. and it has Johnny Truant commentary in it. So you make, you make what, the five-minute, 30-second hallway? Yes. You make that. Release that. I mean, the real yeah. way you make a House of Leaves movie is serially on YouTube. Yeah. But that's not how you make movies. That just becomes Glass Hornets or whatever. Yeah, that was... Man, what a time that all, all that stuff was. Yeah. I had a month where I watched, like, all of it. So, yeah, keep experimenting with form. Let's let's see how this whole... I don't even know what Westworld thing plays out. And, you know... But don't spoil anything for me or else I will be sad. And, I mean, I think when it comes to how television is going to change... None of us can know how that'll go. But, look, I just know that... Something that decades ago was applauded and inoffensive, if at all. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you skipped a few words, but yeah. You know, Zero Credits has been around for decades. Yeah. If we said anything offensive, we're not going to do anything. Uh, That's just such a shitty line to take. How, How do the actors feel? Probably bad or paid. I am looking forward to the next episode of Zero Credits where we spoil the forthcoming Season 3 of Zero Credits. Oh, that would be, that's going to be a good episode. Season 3's coming up. You know, I heard that they're going to spoil... 
we're we're gonna spoil like who the killer is finally and the fact that there's gonna be a killer finally the two things you want out of every show if there's a killer and who is it oh i want to yeah what's the last time they made a show in reverse every time i watch an episode of er i say where's the killer and who is he his heart seems to be attacking his body so his heart's the culprit after that heart Man, I wish they'd spoiled ER for me. Oh, George Clooney. Oh, you're right. He's the killer of himself. Was he General Medicine? No, he was ER. ER? Yeah. That show's still going on? No. Good. (laughs) It's dead. Television is the worst. It really is, and we've spent more than half the episode talking about it. I know, that's how how (laughs) bad it is. I feel like we should... Give our listeners a break from our voices for a week. We should, and you know the best way to do that... It's in the episode. It's to listen to our listeners, and it's for us to hear their voices. That's a good. The easiest way that you can uh, you can get in contact with us. Let's just be honest. Everyone has a Twitter. Uh, if you want to, you weren't into Twitter until like two months ago. If you want to subtweet some of those Al Jean tweets about how great The Simpson is, The Simpson, The Singular Simpson. Uh, who's the best Simpson, Henry? Three, two, one, go. Hold on. Correct. <laughs> you can reach us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for Henry. What's the baby's name? That's right. And you can also find us on... Ah, oh, shit. I was going to say Facebook. Are we still no on Facebook? I mean, we still technically have a Facebook, but I haven't really been posting to it. And deference to Facebook, Maggie. Oh, great, Maggie. So Zero Creds is a podcast is our Gmail, so if you want to send us a Gmail, Zero Creds is a... Man, it's a bad week for what, social media. What are you media. doing? It's a bad week for social media. Back it up. Flip and reverse it. Zero Credits is a podcast at gmail.com. That's the way you can reach us by email. Uh, send us an email. Send us a Gmail. I haven't done this bit in too long. We stream video games sometimes on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We'll do that again someday. And if you want to like, comment, and subscribe, rate us 10, Coney 2012, go to iTunes. Uh, Please leave us a review. Tell your friends. And tell your friends is a great segue into the last part, which I just remembered, which is the word of the mouth is the best way to let your friends know about this podcast. Because listen, if you tell one friend and that friend tells one friend and that friend tells one friend, you'll have four friends. Including yourself. All right, John, you're suspended from doing the social media next week. Oh, you gotta, you need to, you need to get your shit together. I'll make more note cards. That was, that was rough. Let's just say. But uh, from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio Apartments, we want to wish you apartments a happy week. Yeah, mine's kind of like a studio. No, you have two rooms. What a bathroom. Bye.